GM, give me just a second. I am getting everything set up and we'll get going. Um, what's going on, PP? What's going on, brother? You doing okay? Yes, sir. I just was sitting here and I was like, oh, I need to start up another space. Uh, yeah. Not doing Once much. More. So figured why not go ahead and get it rolling. By the way, man, I'm going to have to get that Santa Pingu back from you. <laughs> yeah i saw it i saw it i was like oh that's kaleos i'm grabbing I'm, that i gotta I'm keep it safe if anyone for grabbed it that you did but i'm, I'm gonna end up having to work out a deal with you here we'll, we'll figure something now. out i just i couldn't <laughs> let that get into the wrong hands uh love to see it man um but yeah how's everything been good man um i'm feeling the vibes feeling um the feeling pudgy uh Everything feels right. Uh, charts look favorable. Um, so uh, looking forward to the next few months. Love to see it, man. Rooster, my man, what is going on? What up? What up, everybody? Uh, you know, stonks are inevitable as always. I uh, may have done something sacrilegious this morning. And I did have to take a wheat bid on a nine trait. Um, well, but dude, I saw that you picked that up a few days ago for like less than half that. <laughs> right. It's not a bad thing <laughs> in, in, in a couple days. Right, right, right. I mean, you, yeah, you know, but like still didn't want to let it go. Had to let it go. Um, but, you know, we'll see how this uh, turns out. Hopefully, uh, me and my girl will be able to go to VIP Rolling Loud next month in LA. Oh, did you uh, end up getting the mint done? Yeah, you you know, one's guaranteed. You can you know, first come, first serve for two plus. Um, but you know, we'll see. Uh, I kind of want to. You know, they had a space this morning. It was like two thousand people. Gary V hopped up, was talking. Like, so they kind of been pumping it. I want a little more FUD so I can, you know, have a higher percent chance to get my two. Because, um, you know, that'd be something really cool to go with my girlfriend. Um, I love that. You know, we'll uh, see. Yeah, I love how you're like, Gary Vee was up there talking, but no mention of me being up there talking. <laughs> oh, that's because I'm, <laughs> I assume everyone already knew you were up there talking. I don't, everyone here probably doesn't know who Gary Vee is. Um, but, yeah. Dude, I think I was sleeping through the space, honestly. Like, I I don't know. What my normal sleeping schedule has become is I will be awake, and then I will sleep for, like, an hour. Then I'll be awake for, like, an hour. And then I'll sleep for about an hour. Hey, <laughs> just kind of wrote You know what that sounds like, like to me? That. That's my sleep schedule during a bull market, Kalea. That's it, man. So, um, yeah. You know, I, I mean, like, honestly, though, that is a bull market type of sleep schedule. I really think, and, you know, if you, you guys have been coming to these for a while, like, I think that we're entering into a mini bull market. Um, and, you know, like, again, not – like I always try to keep the expectations in check for the crowd. I don't think new all time highs or anything, but yeah, you know, somewhere in that 40 K, like, you know, a little above their range, definitely possible. So still think there's a lot of gas left in the tank, a lot of fun. Um, what I'm really curious to see is where I think there will be opportunity one during the run up um, for NFTs, but then also I really think that, you know, once we hit whatever the peak is, say that it's like 40K or 45K, you know, somewhere in there. 
that there'll be several months of distribution in that top range, like in the high thirties to whatever forties before we get a breakdown back to some lower prices. And I think that during that window will be really interesting to see how the NFT marketplace reacts. I think if anything, that would be like the clear cut opportunity for whenever everything is, you know, full guns blazing again. And that's kind of the, so I, I, I don't know, but I mean, even, even right now you're looking across a lot of collections like pudgies are still just slowly grinding higher. Um, pandas are still up there right around, you know, they made a new all time high the other day. Um, I mean, a lot of these collections we've been watching are bouncing back and, you know, slowly grinding back toward those highs. I had a fucking Weetha Panda this morning too, bro. Like it was one of the cleaner ones too. Like, oh, I I had to come up with three ETH in like under an hour this morning. And like, I was tweaking, bro. (laughs) Yo, trust me. I, uh, (laughs) I know the feeling, man. It is not fun. Um, but I guess sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Uh, hopefully the rolling loud thing or the loud punks works out for you. You know, I guess from the sounds of it, that's one of those that, you know, it almost to me sounds like you're not even really buying it for the NFT at that point. You're buying it because you think that it's something that will provide you a lot of experience over the years down the road, right? Like it doesn't sound, you know, from the sounds of it, the, the minting two would be purely for the flip on one of them. But the other one, you literally would want to hold on to that one because you just want to be able to go to the events for years down the road. Yeah, see, I don't even know at this point, too, because, like, uh, there there are, like, they said there's 18 one-of-ones where they get an automatic plus one, right? Um, and obviously, like, I want to bring my girl to this, too. But at the same time, like, if they start selling for, like, 15K plus, you know, off the bat, like, then I don't know what I'm going to be doing because, like, you know, that's a lot of cheddar, like, to make in 12 hours, right? You know, over a 10 stack. So, <clears throat> shit, we'll see. Like, so, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm honestly, like, not upset, like, holding these just for pure enjoyment and to just be able to go to whatever events that I want to, right? Cause especially after, like, Basel II, meet a bunch of people. Like, I got people in L.A. now, people in Miami, like, you know, so then don't have to pay for a ticket, like, you know, accommodations much easier just got to book flights like that brings accessibility to be able to go to those concerts like a lot more for me now yeah i'm with you man and one of the things to think about too um is like they're thinking about this too and they're gonna have like lounge areas just for the nft holders so it almost becomes every single concert like has like an nft web3 centric meetup uh, around it and dude those alone are like really powerful because like every like pudgy event I've gone to you make so many connections so um, I don't know I, I mean I look at it like the mint calls for those things are like 1.5 ETH and you look at the price of a VIP ticket which you're getting like lifetime supply of and that's like paying for two VIP tickets to like two of their festivals so I don't know it seems like a no brainer to me but we'll see how it goes yeah, well, I'm wishing you guys both the best of luck. Um, Rooster, I got to ask, man, how does it feel looking on the 
the uh, blur page for wonky stongs and not seeing those stolen stonks on the floor anymore. Oh, bless up, bro. It was like, just like you said the other day, it was like fucking 661 on steroids. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's really what it was. And I was going to wait a little longer before I ended up cleaning that up. But I just couldn't, like, my OCD was just absolutely killing me. So I had to do it like, uh, you know, it's one of those things, too, where if anybody's going to, you know, get go through the process of having flagged what because I know people there's just, you know, you, people don't want to buy something that's flagged on OpenSea. Like, it's obviously the case because there were a lot of quality stonks in that um, that just nobody would pick up. And, you know, like you. With the 661 on steroids, 661 was a solid stonk, right? And it was stuck there forever because of that pending gas fee. And it just kind of weighed everything down, killed some momentum. And, you know, like, I I, I honestly think these were a little bit similar because, like, what are the odds that it happened right after Bog came in and did, like, a 60-something stonk sweep (laughs) of... So, yeah, you know, they've just been sitting there ever since. I'm like, all right, like, somebody's got to do it. I'll do it. Like, why not? Let's just go ahead and, you know, get things rolling. I wish OpenSea's policy was a little bit different, like on the stolen assets kind of thing. Because I understand why they do it, because, you know, they have investors and they want to, like, abide by laws and stuff like that. But, like, uh, when assets are either recovered by the original owner or, like, the original owner, like, you know, if it ends up in the hands of a non-scammer and the original owner is like, all right, cool, I've come to peace with it, like, they should be able to sign some sort of signature on OpenSea's page saying, look, this is stolen, this was a stolen asset, but I've come to terms with it, like, it's, I'm either not getting it back or I am getting it back, you can please unflag this asset. I think that's something they need to work into their policy. Yeah, what what is the policy for getting it unflagged? Honestly, I've never I think dealt the, with it before. I know the policy of getting it flagged is pretty simple, but I think there's so many hoops that you have to go through to like get something unflagged. Um, they almost need to make it like an automated process, right? There should be some sort of signature that they can track back to the original wallet's holder and be like, "Hey, you go here if you want to like basically clear all of your stolen assets up." and um, just sign a transaction, and then they're all good to go. But, um, yeah, you would think they could make that automated, maybe one day. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll see, man. I'm, I'm going to try to deal with it, mess with it just for fun. Um, and, yeah, hopefully we figure something out with it. But one way or the other, I also had to make sure that I stacked a few more stonks because Bog was getting too close to me. So had to had to replenish the supply a little bit, and I don't think that'll be it. But you know, it's a decent little start. Um, AC two thirty five, what's going on, brother? What's going on? Not much. Um, been a little busy with. I hate to say IRL, but my in real, in real life job. A lot of your spaces have been at night, and I've seen that you kind of requested me to come up, but. I'm laying in bed and I'm next to my fiance, so I'm not about to start talking on a space, but <laughs> appreciate you always the <laughs> It's all good, up. man. It's all good. I just I just throw throw the invite yeah. out to the legends in the crowd but, uh, and give give y'all the uh the choice. Yeah, but still um 
you know, bullish as ever, man. I, it's funny, like I've been kind of roasting this, uh, this because Bitcoin. I'm not, I'm not gonna say it, but one of these macro analysts, um, and I mean, people just overcomplicate this stuff, man. They they try to bring in the macro in, into crypto, and crypto is such a small market. Like it does affect it, but like there's more to it than people losing their jobs, earnings going bad, and everything. Like crypto is its own market, and you know it's funny seeing the bears just continue to cope on the sideline. But you know I'm I'm still bullish, and I, I think we still got a long ways to go. Oh yeah, man, the bear cope is getting funny at this point. Like. I was even watching CNBC earlier this morning and the guy um, that was on there, apparently he had given a target for like what his upper, he's like, no way you see stocks climb above X level. Right. (laughs) Yeah. The host had him on and was like, Hey, you know, we're way above this right now. So what do you tell everybody that you told that to yesterday? He's like, Oh, you know, you, you just got to stick to the plan. You got to have a bigger <laughs> view and stick to the plan. And I actually do kind of respect that sentiment, but you know, there's a point where I feel like you have to have some type of invalidation levels. And if you're saying there's no way that it gets above X level, then, you know, that doesn't really correlate uh, like with having any type of stop in place. And it just doesn't make sense. You know, it just sounded like cope to me, but that's where we've been this whole time. You know, ever since realistically October, whenever things bottomed out for the equities in general, I'm telling you, like Bitcoin ETH would be way higher than what they are right now if it weren't for the FTX situation. I still do believe that. But I think that we're slowly catching up to that point. Um, And, you know, here soon, I think we'll reach parity with what would have been had FTX not happened. And that's why I think there's an opportunity that's been created for incredible volatility whenever this range is broken out of, basically that we really will have that opportunity to kind of just chat up out of it because, you know, we're going to be making up for where we would have been anyway. Um, so we'll... Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I agree. Um, I think we're kind of in that, I mean, a lot of people are comparing it to the 2019 uh echo bubble but i I think we're in that month consolidation so we're just going to be bouncing around and everyone's going to be flipping bias every other day and i'm just going to continue to hold my blue chip nfts and let them ride so yes sir yeah that's my thing man i'm 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 actually really you know it's been impressive and i've talked about this during a lot of the other spaces but you know, it's just been impressive to see how a lot of these that have moved up throughout the course of the past couple of months have been able to maintain those levels that, you know, basically establish new ranges would be a new way, you know, a better way of saying it, where they've had a significant leg up and they've either continued to grind higher or established a new range at a higher level. And, you know, like, Speaking purely technically from the stock side of it, like, dude, uh, I mean, we've established a range right up there underneath that all-time high where it's just continued to accumulate. You've seen, you know, a small reduction in unique ownership, which some people could say is bearish. I actually think it's bullish because I think that that small reduction shows, you know, consolidation from 
a group of people from the individuals that really don't believe in the project to, you know, it is concentrating in the hand of people, the hands of people that do. And, you know, still maintaining, I mean, it's still 48% unique distribution. There aren't many projects that have 48% unique distribution, like truly unique distribution that have this supply, this quantity up, you know, near the 10K level. And also like this floor price, right? You don't typically see that type of distribution until prices climb. And that's what happens, you know, whenever you break out of a range, that's where you start to see the distribution happen again. Like I, I, I'm thinking about it, man. With the way things are set up, I wouldn't be surprised whenever the stonks are at a couple ETH if the unique distribution is up there closer to 60%. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, since I, I posted, I made like a little thread on it. Um, uh, King Djen, when he it was at late night space and he swept like 80 stonks or something. And we bounced, we went up to like 0.4 since then. I mean, we've just consolidated for the past month while ETH has ripped up 30, 35%. So, you know, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, you're having that beta play against ETH while maintaining the amount of uh, ETH per stock, I guess you could say. So, which means, yeah, if you're looking at it from the USD perspective, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, ETH is maintained. While ETH is climbing, so the USD price has continued to, you know, grind higher during the process of consolidation. Um, so, PT, I want to ask, man, what all else is new in the, you know, I, I know you, you're looking at loud punks right now. Were you part of that OPPIN craze? Ah, uh, dude, don't even get me started. I, I dude. Uh, the guys in Abasha like said you gotta get this at like point oh one, and I was like oh, I'm I'm fading this because I didn't re- I don't really get I mean I get them now uh, the open edition craze but like I faded it hard and middle bell curved it, uh, but these guys they're the ones who bought OPPs like really really early are doing really well right now, um, so props to them I-, I love seeing people winning even when I don't get a piece of it, um, so. Oh, yeah, same. I mean, I look at that and I'm like, you know, <laughs> I, I love seeing friends win on other projects that are outside of whatever ecosystem they're primarily involved in, because it just means that a lot of those profits are going to pour back into some of the other ecosystems. Like, you know, if OPPIN really does climb up to, you know, an ETH, just imagine how much of that climbs back into the pudgy slash, you know, stonk type of ecosystem. Exactly right. And at this point, dude, I won't lie. Like with what checks have been doing, I wouldn't be surprised if checks just keep going to a few ETH. Like I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm going to, you know, like you PP, I'm going to middle bell curve it and I'm not going to touch them, which means, you know, that's probably bullish for everybody that actually is in the checks. Um, And, you know, same thing with the OP, but I'm just going to let it roll. I'm going to let, let them have their fun, but I'm not going to top market. So, you know, but like, I think that there's a chance if they keep running like that, one ETH might be a little bit ridiculous for those OPPins, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if those guys are able to get like, you know, some crazy day where they get up to somewhere close to a half an ETH. Um, Rooster, were you involved in the OPPin stuff? Because I'm... I thought I saw you talking about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I got a few OPPs. I had to 
fucking sell one this morning too, bro. I also liquidated a frog. Um, it was it was a rough morning, uh, but I still got six OPPs left still. Yeah, I I took I kind of pinged him. You know, I'm trying not to like shill like anything at all, really. But like at the same time, like there's kind of like you know obvious plays that have the liquidity and the momentum backing it. So like. Yeah, I, I did tell some people about him. I think I, my first entry was like 0.03. I made a call in the Room 110 uh, Discord at like 0.04. I know some people got in there. Um, but yeah, it's been a... I, I guess a, a bunch of people didn't know it was Jack's second project, and we kind of like knew that early. Um, so... Well, I was listening this morning. I heard he had one other open edition too, which is just insane. Yeah, I don't know he how just started. How there's going to be enough sustained liquidity to support like you know three different projects within a month? Because you but, burn them, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, because you burn them. Burn I guess them. so. What is what is the other project? I'd even heard of that one. I just heard that there was another. Yeah, I just found out about that this morning. It's like I don't know. Let me look real quick. It's like VV something merge VV or something. yeah, it's like merge VV or something like that. Yeah, that just like ripped from double oh five to point zero two five right now. There's like thirty K of those. Um, I'll probably be I am I'll I'll middle bell curve out of the three projects. I I'm uh you know, I'm too late on the checks in my opinion. They might go up, but I just simply do not have the liquidity for that. Um so, you know, I did get the OPPs. So, you know, we'll see. He said once he gets checks on autopilot pretty here shortly, that you know he's gonna start messing with the with the PPs. So we'll see. Yeah, you know, I I actually think here's one encouraging thing that I'm seeing coming out of all this: the fact that those are doing pretty well for the open editions, and that there have been a million other open editions that have been released, and not every single open edition is doing incredibly well you know like there are a few others i think proceed with caution is one um oh and he said he's not but, doing anything with uh merge bb i just got a dm that said that so i did enough for the research of gotcha. the dm i just got just so everybody knows um but i'm taking it at face value trusted source damn four man well yeah you know i, I want to hear y'all's thoughts on this because i think it's actually kind of encouraging that We've seen the craze start up with open editions, and those are doing relatively well. But at the same time, you know, like, I feel like the overall craze with everybody releasing their own stuff, it hasn't guaranteed success for people, right? A lot of these projects have, you know, quote unquote, minted out, or they've done decent numbers for whatever the claim in the windows, but they haven't all just had this incredible success so what I think that leads to, I think it's healthy because it shows that the market is valuing some type of quality and they're actually looking for something in these projects. And it's not just this pure fraud I heard, um, um, and greed play. I heard Ope Pangs, Ope Penguins just minted out this morning. <laughs> uh, I could be burning those soon. I think it, uh, I think 20 of them. <laughs> Nice, but so PP, what's up, man? Yeah, one thing I like to look at uh, open editions. Well, like since they're all the same, if there's no burn mechanism, and it's a, like an artist like releasing his own open edition, you can almost look at it 
sort of like a fungible uh, token instead of a non-fungible token. It's like them launching their own token. Cause they're I was all saying like, that yesterday. Yeah, it's like they're all the same thing. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting how we've all come full circle. <laughs> Bro, I was saying that yesterday. The real only difference is the fact that you don't have, like, you know, the divisibility of these things are, you know, like one, you have additions, right? Like that's the only distinguishing factor. You have additions for each one of these. Um, when I say addition, like the serial number I meant. So you have serial numbers um, for them. And I guess that's like a distinguishing factor. Um, so they each have a quote unquote birth date. And maybe that gives it some type of distinguishing value. But outside of that, they're basically just fungible tokens that aren't divisible. <laughs> like, that's, you know, or they're divisible by whatever the number of the collection is. So, you know, like OPPIN or checks, you know, the divisibility would be 16,000. So, I don't know. I mean, you know, you've got a market cap and you've got broken down into 16,000 pieces, but. Unless, like, you know, it, it's a very interesting phase of this experiment because, you know, I brought this up to B-Ways yesterday. You know, we'll really see whether serial numbers end up having any meta or not. I Like, so far, it looks like they kind of have, though. I got the uh, the 2008 financial crisis serial number on OPPs, so we'll see if uh, if, if that can do anything. I, got, I just got it through bids. I didn't, like, try to. Bro, that's that's the high IQ play that you do now with any of these. Whatever number you have, regardless, you just need to go find out what is a significant event in history that happened associated with this. And if not history, you know, just something of significance toward that number. And then you just have to market the shit out of it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean... You know, it's not an arbitrary one. 2008 does uh, <laughs> hold its impact. Um, so we'll see if anyone's uh, maybe maybe Trader SZ will want it, right? Turbo Bear or Michael J. Berry, but he won't find my uh, my thing without a Twitter account, I guess. Did you see the? Um, this is kind of off topic, but not really. Did you see the? Uh expose that dropped last night with like all the bot stuff and um it was pretty wild you know sorry i uh <laughs> i was eating a chip um no i did i was up there on stage for a minute and i kind of went off on a couple of the guys that were up on stage because they were claiming that they had no idea well they were like yeah we we did these giveaways and you know our accounts just got extremely botted because of these giveaways and you know it's not our fault that we got botted from the giveaways i'm like bro i have known a million people that have done those type of giveaways and they have not guaranteed automatically just had these massive bot farms that come and follow them maybe they end up engaging with the tweet and retweeting it but it doesn't correlate to, like, you bought your followers. It's that simple, which means most likely you probably did part of the botting of those tweets as well. And I just don't respect anybody that does that. And, you know, it's the same thing with the Twitter spaces. Bro, it 
freaking pisses me off looking at how many, like, how many NFT people are in the Mario Nafal spaces and how it's just become this normal thing now. And I think the only thing that's different is, that, like, a lot, and this is something that's terribly wrong with NFT culture. NFT culture is so much about the engagement that people don't care how you get it. They just respect the number. So, you know, rather than looking at Mario and saying, oh, he's botting his stuff, he's buying credibility, they're like, oh, you know, it's good marketing. <laughs> it's a good tactic. Who cares that he has a company that drives around like fake marketing for fake projects to be able to help pump them up? Because, hey, we actually are really attracted to that. Can you help us out to do it for our project, right? Like, or for our account, like help us grow like you did. And they see it as something that's attractive rather than something that's repulsive. Yeah, I think one of the things I really liked about that expose is it showed like people with a lot of like uh, actual clout and like actual following. Like it took like Baroque example, he had like 300,000 followers and like he'll do like a giveaway and it has like a thousand retweets and like 2,000 likes or something. And then like one of these other people will just like do the tweet and it gets like tens of thousands of likes and retweets and it's always for like a really 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 shitty nft versus the stuff he's putting out it's like for stuff that people actually want um so i'm glad they did that um but yeah it's, it was a crazy night i kind of caught up on it all this morning well that's the thing too like one of the guys was like oh so you've done giveaways so your account's spotted i'm like bro no it like because somebody does a giveaway does not inherently mean their account is botted. Like I did not buy whatever, like you guys did. There's a difference with this shit. Like, I don't know. It, it just, everything about that culture drives me mad. I I'm curious, what do y'all think about the Mario spaces? Because I mean, there are a million people like he, I think is, he may not do it with the tweets as much, but he definitely does it slash at least did it to start off. I still think he does it some with the um, people that are in the audience. I'm just curious, what do y'all think about that approach toward the marketing side of it to, you know, draw and engage a bit, you know, like what are, am I being too critical? I don't no, think I, I am, mean, but... I, I think I, I don't mind them per se. I do. The only thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way is, um, some of the like co-speakers, if you will, like, like I don't honestly, I don't really even mind Mario, um, but like some of the people who are up there with him, like, think they're super important, and they'll like go back and forth and like, um, like promote themselves as something huge. But like, I, I I've been listening to his spaces for a while, and they have kind of like grown to be like almost out of control. Um, but I mean, some, some of the conversations are good, but as like, I listen to a lot of spaces and his is by far like not the best space on, uh, spaces. So the fact that he's getting tons of listeners and like somebody like, dude, I, dude, I'm going to give Thread guy some like credit here. Like his spaces have gotten so much better and like, they're so much fun like to listen to. I don't know if you've been on there, but, um, like seeing his numbers versus like Mario's is like, all right, come on, man. Like this guy's actually entertaining. And like, this guy is having trouble carrying a conversation and asking legit questions. 
I mean, that's a great point, right? Like, now, what I will say is, I think that through what he did with the FTX thing and like getting Elon on the space is like, he actually did establish, you know, a decent chunk of that probably is organic at this point, right? But definitely didn't start off that way. Um, and it's, so it's tough, you know, like, I don't know exactly how the algorithm prioritizes all of that, but, you know, you look through it and there are just some things that don't make sense with it. And you're right. Like they're just people that definitely host better quality content that deserve that, um, deserve it a lot more. But I, I mean, overall, everything else with that report, I know that wasn't in the report per se. Everything else that was in the report, I don't think there's anything really shocking in there. I think everybody kind of knew that it happened. It was just a matter of somebody putting it down on paper. Yep, I agree. What's going on, Bob? Not much. Uh, just wage cucking. I uh, saw that sweep before. Um, that you got some pretty good. I don't know, like how, how why people were like listing that much underneath point. Like, I, it's cr- kind of crazy to see. Like, it's it's thin. Um, I, I guess it's just people that are trading and. Like I still don't think a lot of people are look are looking at charts and understand like you know what's really going on. Even if you don't know anything about stonks or uh, I, I don't know, it's and and looking at the market too. It's I think it's maybe the checks going up. Uh, I mean that's you know like we have like that was actually the thing that was the play. Honestly, we had the 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 solid. The, well, if you want to consider it blue chip, but it's probably on its way. Um, you know, that was the thing in the weeks that, you know, we basically all missed. And I was so close to pulling the trigger if I would have just sold those stupid Ponzi's. And I, was, I was like, hey, I could get 200 of these checks right now. Why don't I do this? And I'm like, no, 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 no. This Ponzi thing is going to be, you know, like the next big thing. So um, that would have been the ultimate degenerate play. But I wound up buying stonks instead of checks. So I still believe stonks will out like will be a hot, you know, they'll they'll be higher than checks within a year. I'm going to say that um, confidently, but yeah. me and Rooster were talking about what you were just talking about earlier about like, cause he had to like sell like a nine trade and he had to floor like a Panda. I think a lot of it right now um, is you see people basically flooring stuff to try and like either chase the next greatest thing or like, Say they have like a loud punks like whitelist, and they're like, that's like 1.5 ETH for some people. Like, that's a lot to like pull together for a mint. Uh, it's an expensive mint, and so they're you see a lot of people trying not to miss out. Dude, on that, so. I don't know what it is, but I always keep ETH. Uh, I always keep some ETH available for something like that. You know what I mean? Like a, a if you, yeah. I mean that's what you want to do for sure. I don't know why people. It's people, like you're liquid enough. You know what I mean? Like why? go fully liquid it just never makes any sense unless you're like guaranteed like the thing's moving and you know what i mean there's enough momentum but like most of the time that's like not the case so it's like i don't understand why everyone in this space is a hundred percent a liquid um and it shows but me uh, personally i just couldn't like uh get the transfer authorized you know through the centralized exchange to be able to just buy and transfer that much yeah i mean after a bunch of deacon plays and you know buy like 200 nfts the past two weeks like yeah i have uh drained a little bit of my liquidity um but yeah mainly i just couldn't get the transfer like 
you know, without the clearance from the money in the bank first. Me personally, I just stay liquid because my degenerate side comes out and I end up buying the Ponzi's at the very top. So. Dude, I, 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 I bought the bottom and the top AC. So I lost, like I had 20 ETH unrealized profits and it wound up being, I netted that out. Um, and then I bought higher on the stocks to try to pump those above 0.42. And then we had paper hands McGee, you know, whoever that was just listing a bunch, but it doesn't matter. Not, not, I didn't actually mean, McGee, Dude, it wasn't, I, but it wasn't, <laughs> I didn't you know what it was. on the stage. <laughs> it wasn't me. Dude, look, we got moose in the audience. Glare. I, I want to hear, I, I got to hear some, some moose vibes. If you want to bring him up. Um, you know what it was that like it was a stolen stonks. That's what we were talking about before you got up here, Bog. Like, it's why I finally just went ahead and like swept them up because you know they were they were like six six one was back at the beginning, which I don't even think you were really around during the six six one days. Um, <clears throat> you know, like six six one. The story behind it was it was right after the inception of the stonks. Stonks were climbing out there, right? And there was one stuck on open sea because there was a, you know, somebody that didn't have enough gas to be able to, or ETH to uh, pay for the gas for the transaction. So I think it was stuck at like 0.29 and the real floor above it was like 0.34. But then what you started to get was you started to get people that were just not very smart and they'd look on there and they'd see the very first stock. Oh, 0.29. So they'd come in and undercut that, even though like, 99.9% of everything else was way higher. So it just led to this craze of people kind of undercutting, undercutting, undercutting. And then eventually when you see enough undercutting, it just kind of like, you know, wanes the momentum a little bit. And that was the thing with those X2, Y2, like, you know, that were stolen. Whenever they're flagged by OpenSea, people just don't want them. It doesn't matter what the quality of them are. People just don't want them on average. You know, occasionally people will like punt for the gems, but I, I, I just realized this morning, I was like, man, these are just going to sit here <laughs> if I don't go ahead and sweep them. And I was going to wait, but I finally just decided I couldn't look at them anymore. So I had to make sure to just knock that out. Someone had to do it. Um, but I mean, that, that, was a, that was a solid sweep. And, and anything really under 0.3 is free at this point. I mean, it's even crazy because, you know, like everything is – the coins are looking so bullish. I mean – it's really a matter of time before that trickles back down. It has to make its move first, I think, before we see another uptick with NFTs. But I mean, we've already some things like fully retraced the whole move, and some of the, some of the uh, projects have, and you know, the ones that moved in early January, like that move is already like gone. Um, for but I mean, the penguins, like most yeah. of them, like it's yeah. only the ones that have survived are basically the ones that were already moving in December. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, I mean, now you see like what the strength is and like buying into strength and like what projects are really the solid ones. I'm not going to say anything, but I mean, if you're just looking at any of these charts, I think it's kind of clearly obvious. I mean, even in the stonks, like it it wasn't, it was super thin and we still, we're still holding 0.3 and we five X'd in it last month. So, um, I can only imagine what's going to happen this and and all the the supply that was listed. I think there has to be at least a couple of hundred stocks. It's like anything else, right? You look at if you have a lot of trading at a certain level, like that becomes the new level and people's cost averages go up and you know what I mean? You're getting other people out. So just like normal, like market dynamics, it makes a ton of sense that 
if we do or when we – I don't want to sound like a – you know, like when, if we cross that point four two line, then it really this, there is no – like the sky's the limit. Then you might want to start looking at maybe the, the USD high, which is like around an ETH or so. But um, yeah, like there's probably meme numbers in between. But that there's going to – we're, we're in like a coiled spring for the stocks right now. So it, it really doesn't take too much. And I think that supply has slowly been chipped at. You know, it's it the, the those stocks have been distributed to people that will be probably holding, and they're they're not going to be selling at this range. So it does take some time because there really isn't a ton of volume anyway. But that's what you want to see for like another move higher, where we prop we probably won't see below 0.42. Like if we do crack it, we're not going to see below that for you know too long or if you know for a a, a while to be honest. I mean, yeah, man, it's just one of those things. I think it all goes back toward, you know, you have to have healthy areas of consolidation after you chat up out of different ranges, right? Like, it's just part of the dynamics of it. It's, I mean, the fact that it's maintained a 5X, though, like, and just chopped here for a month is pretty incredible in and of itself. Rooster, what's going on? See, the thing is, man, like, you got to look a little bit more like intricately into it. Right. So, you know, most projects out there are like somewhat, you know, type promise utility type based, right. That are always waiting for like, you know, that next move up or you can like kind of time the way they trade, right. Like they pump during spaces and they settle back down afterwards. The songs are a little bit different in the sense that like, it's not attached to any utility. There's no major announcement that's going to be coming up. So like once they send, you know, they, like Bob was saying, the sky's the limit. Like don't, I don't, don't try and trade the stonks. Yeah. You can catch some ARB opportunities, right? Like I just did when someone, uh, you know, drops a nine trade on the absolute floor. Right. Like, I mean, like you can do that, but at the same time, like, there's going to be so many people hurt and left behind because, you know, they're trying to trade the stonks and all of a sudden they wake up one day and like they, you know, shot up from one ETH to four and a half ETH. Right. Uh, At least that's my thesis. I don't really, you know, you can check my wallet. I've sold like maybe like three, four stonks. Like I don't try and trade the stonks. I get, I get value where I can. And I, you know, I hold that. I'm not, getting left behind like one night just because you know i get swept up in one transaction right where some giga whale sweeps 50k worth of stonks right like uh, I'm, I'm not gonna middle bell curve that like trade something else like there's no point in trying to trade the stonks bro i'm telling you though also just the percentage of people on nft twitter who know what the stonks are in general now versus that didn't a month ago is pretty insane. No. Yeah. I, I was, I just wanted to say quickly, like, dude, all the spaces you're doing, it's in an, it's an intangible thing, right? Like this is clearly making a difference. It's like, to be honest, like, I just don't think a lot of people have money, but like, again, like it just takes an influx of things, but they do probably have other, they probably have other NFTs that are worth an equal amount. And, when you start seeing that that pot, like, you know, NFTs are gifting goods. Like, when the price goes up, the demand goes up. It's one of those bizarre things that, you know, it, it's just the way that people are. It's, I don't think they're experienced market participants. They just get really, like, they, they can't control the FOMO, and they buy. So, 
you know, it just takes a little cascade of like a little like fuel to get it going. And then you have them trying to look at the pudgies, right? People were selling doodles and clone X's and anything in the same tier. And that's how it propels it to the next tier. So, you know, like I think that'll like happen because people are aware of the songs, but they probably don't see the volume and they're like, Oh, it's not moving right now. So they have they don't, it's on their radar, but they're not, not buying. But as soon as they start seeing an uptick, they'll be, they'll be selling similar priced NFTs to buy. They'll, they'll swap them to buy this, you know, when the new money flows in. So uh, that's, that's what people don't really understand. And it's like the perfect storm because your reach is huge. And I mean, that's like part of there's, there's a lot of reasons why I bought into this, but it's like, again, I think you really are going to be the, the main person that gets CT into NFTs. I, like you're somehow leading the charge and, because I don't really see, like, I see uh, Cold-Blooded Chill trying to do it. He, he tweeted about NFTs the other day. You know, he has a couple hundred thousand followers. He got, like, 30, like, likes on the tweet. And it was like, yeah, I'm going to go full-time. I'm going for, you know, heavier. Wait, what did he say about NFTs? I didn't even see yeah. it. Like, you know, the algo didn't pick yeah, it up. Yeah, so he was just like, oh, you know, I'm getting, uh, you know, I'm going deeper into NFTs. I'll be talking about that more, on, you know, you know on, his, on his Twitter and yada, 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 right? And I was, like, laughing. I'm like, anytime you post a chart you know, it, you get hundreds and hundreds of likes because that's just really, he's catering to his following. But now he talks about something else, no engagement. Um, so if you look through his recent tweets, I think I'll, I'll try to find it. Shouldn't probably, probably shouldn't be too hard, but um, you, yeah, like you've, you've been. Is it the, my NFT backstory thing? My, my. Yeah, I think that's, I'll, I'll pin it. But yeah, it's really interesting to see that. And I think Luca was talking about that in general, just with the marketing aspect with Pudgy. Um, you don't see like a lot of engagement. If you're talking about like for ads and stuff, not even like if you're an influencer or whatever, if you're trying to just market your, your, um, your brand, you talk about NFTs and it's just like no engagement. If you call them digital collectibles, like it picks up. But I think that's different in his case because he has just probably – the majority of his followers are traders, so that's what they want to see. And I don't even think they want to see NFT charts yet. Um, so it's that – I think it's hard for people to adapt, you know, the shit coins with or without pictures. It's a meme. We understand it. But it's just – I don't know. It's kind of interesting because, like, the, the concept – they're already into shit coins. It's like literally this is just a shit coin with a picture. I don't. It's not a, that hard of a concept to grasp. But I guess they just want to think, like, there's – like – there's some something else to it or like, you know what I mean? Like this is more legit. I, I don't know what it is like that. Some of these guys that haven't gotten in yet. I mean, they're going to cross over, but I'm just trying to think of like what the cognitive distance. Is. I think I know what it is. I think I know what a big part of it is. Like, I think, I think there's different buckets of CT. There are people that literally only trade on centralized exchanges. So they don't really actually do anything on chain. Um, and then there are the on-chain people, and I, I think that the people that trade on-chain, I don't get it. I mean, I guess they, you know, more on the DeFi side of things, they're either, like, you know, farming or they're, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess just trading on Uniswap where it feels like things are a little bit more liquid. I, I just brought, there are going to be things that are put in place for NFTs that merge all of that together. Like, it is going to happen in the next couple of years. So, and, I mean, if nothing else, here's the deal, Bog. You're going to get some inflow of CT in there. You're never going to get everybody. But, you know, say that it's like 20% of CT right now that isn't in NFTs goes to NFTs. That's a ton of people. 
But what it's going to take for that to happen, it may not even be this part of the market, right? It may not be until 2024, 2025. I mean, it may be now, you know, maybe a chunk of that starts now, but uh, I mean, with everything, the way that it, the way this market works, it doesn't take much for these projects to move. It's one of those things. If you can just hold on to something that you have conviction in, and that's a strong project that's been maintaining, all it takes is a little bit of momentum in the broader market for it to really send, right? Like it really just does not take very much. So it's just a patience game because, you know, like with the checks, for instance, you see those running and obviously, you know, like anything that runs you don't have versus what you do, you're like, man, had I just gone in on that? Like, how could I have flipped whatever, whatever? And that's a dangerous mentality to have because a lot of the time things that are running like that, you weren't in at a better cost basis to begin with. You will end up buying the top on that and you'll end up retracing having less of whatever um, your high conviction bag is whenever you finally try to rotate back into it. So I think it's just one of those things. Again, if you can be patient with the market, look for projects that have had strength that have that momentum and that are consolidating right now. Um, and I, I really think that those are going to continue to be the leaders here down the road. I mean, I'm telling we barely had any volume across the market in the beginning of January and shit moved insanely across the board. So point being, imagine as that really starts to scale up what the possibilities are. I think there's so much opportunity that's just being discounted right now because people are short-sighted. Yeah. And I mean, we have like the fundamentals of like what constitutes a market like being worked on with the liquidity and you have more options, like better, better platforms to trade on. So I think that'll attract more of those CT guys. I mean, like you keep talking about it and we haven't really seen anything solid come out yet, but a, like a derivative like perp contract on some of the bigger projects, you know, where I think that'll definitely draw like some attention. There's going to be some action on that. Um, but it's happening and you know like i think you know even with your outlook you know if we have until the summer or you know to the end of q2 before like things you know might start turning around it we could still get a little blip but that's kind of all you need like and and the the real move obviously is going to be like the everything like like bubble like again next next cycle like where you know you got shit coins and, and nfts everything will be pumping when you just have money inflowing but um you know, like, I think the foundation is like being set in a really nice way. Um, and I mean, anyone in here is still, I would consider an early adopter of NFTs because dude, I've been listening, like, as I've been working this week, I listen to like some of these, you know, these podcasts, these comedy podcasts, and I must've heard like these comedians shitting about NFT, like shitting on NFTs, like in every single episode, like there's something will get brought up and I'm just like, what do you know about it? It's like so funny. I'm like, dude, stick to telling jokes. And it's like, yeah, that shit's dumb. Like, how did, like, we're at that phase. I still remember in 2018, like, where you would be watching like Netflix and they would be throwing it like a lazy writer would throw in a crypto joke. We're at that part where everyone is shitting on us, you know, in mainstream culture, which is like perfect. That's where you want, that's the pocket you want to be in. You want people to laugh. I've, I, I learned that. Like, it's it's funny to be like it's hard like when it's your first cycle and you're the laughing stock, but then when you see it happen over and over, it's just the mentality, and and they're going to be the same ones buying into the the shit in, in a year or two, right? So, unironically, we are somewhat early, you know, depending on the project, but 
<laughs> yeah, like like that's where you want to be. You want to you want to kind of feed off that cope, and the cope is what makes you know number go up at the end of the day. Like you want those people, like just just flustered that they they just don't understand it, and they're just like they're talking out of their ass about like probably everything else. Those are the same people that like have strong opinions on politics and everything. Like, there's people that say a lot of things and they don't understand anything. So that's the crowd of people that are you know. At going against NFTs right now, and that makes me super bullish. Yeah, man, and you know, going back to the whole thing, that I, yeah, I really do think it's going to be the purpose that red pill CT on everything. And I, you know, I might be biased here, but I, I do think that there's a decent chance <clears throat> that the stonks are positioned well to be listed on something like that whenever it eventually does happen. Because, I mean, the influence that I have to be able to bring people onto certain platforms just by talking about whatever's happening there. I think that, you know, even if there are listing fees, which I'm sure people will pay with that, like, dude, I'd be shocked if whatever exchanges that start this up don't just want to list the stocks inherently because of how much, you know, of an audience that would be able to bring in to them. Like the marketing from that alone would be insanely worth it. So like, it's all going to happen. It's just a matter of being patient for the development, having, you know, conviction in the higher time frame plan and, you know, not being in a rush to, uh, I guess, check or chase every single next greatest thing along the way. Um, so Shekinah, welcome up to the stage. How are you doing today? What's up? What's up? I'm, I'm doing very good. You know, I was smart today. I, I did take some profits and, and I felt like at peace. Um, but, but no, I mean, what came to mind as I was listening to you guys speak, you know, I think the sad thing is, I think not sad, but the unfortunate thing is through the miseducation and just the decision to be outright against NFTs for whatever reason, you know, it's like these people don't realize the life changing money that they like are missing out on. And I would bet, you know, that a lot of them could probably use it and they just don't. And, and to the, I think that's some of the unfortunate part, but it's of their, yeah, it's a, it's of their own chosen, you know, ignorance because you could ask questions and, and for the most part, you know, a lot of people don't. I'll touch on that a little bit. One thing I will say is a lot of people who are totally against this, all they do see is the life changing money. And it kind of turns them um, against this because they're like, Oh, this is all a scam. But, once you look past that and you look at the connections that I've only been able to get uh, through NFTs uh, versus just normal crypto, uh, those connections uh, that you make to people and are, are super valuable. I mean, I mean, if it wasn't for PFPs, NFTs and like uh, pudgy penguins, like I wouldn't be working with pudgy penguins right now. Like I would still be trading shit coins, making memes. Like I think, uh, one of the things people are missing out of this entire picture is the value that you can get uh, by not having to sell your NFT. Like we we shouldn't have to sell our NFTs uh, to like get value from it. Uh, and I think that's what a lot of the people who are on the outside looking in are totally missing because um, all we ever talk about are the gains. I think once once we start spreading the message of hey, here's what you can get out of this without ever having to sell this asset, I think that's when we get to the next level. Yeah, you know, but that, that kind of introduces 
the mixture of the utility question into play too, right? Where, and I think it's all super blurred lines, but, you know, I, I do think that there are certain projects that have, you know, great utility propositions and they might be able to follow through and continue to deliver on that. But I think utility is such a subjective term that it can be applied in tons of different ways, right? You know, like uh, community is a legitimate utility. Anybody that says anything different is just, you know, yeah, I think ignorant to what's actually happening and what the possibilities of real community actually can do for you. But then two, um, the, you know, like people meme and laugh about art being a utility. I really see it as that, you know, art in and of itself is a utility. Like when you look at it from, you know, again, look back to physicals and collectibles. Why do people do that? You know, one, it means something to them. So it resonates with them personally but two, you know, it's also a cultural flex in a certain sense. And whether people recognize that or not, like that is a transcendent ideology that typically only gains momentum, you know, for quality, quality uh, projects and pieces. So I really think that's a utility in and of itself, historical significance, art, community, a lot of the intangibles that you don't have to sit out there and list on a roadmap are all real things. Caesar, what's up, man? Mr. Kaleo, brother. One more day grinding here, eh? I fucking love it, man. Appreciate it. Uh, man, so I was discussing uh, what are NFTs? What is the value of NFTs? And so taking like one step even farther from what you are saying about utility, the value of an NFT is whatever the fuck is the value to you. You get my point? For some people, it might be the art. For some people, it might be to use it as a financial vehicle and speculate on it. For some people, it might be the community. So actually, the value of an NFT is what you make out of it, man. So everyone has their own opinion, their own emotions, their own, let's say, like timeline in life, their own thing, man. And for some people, holding an NFT, as you said, Kaleo, is a cultural flex. But uh, it's very subjective, man. It's very subjective. But still, there is this uh, truth value that brings many people together, man. And, and, and that's, that's the magical souls that no one can fucking understand how it works, right? It takes a lot of hard work, but there is this magical source when everybody comes to an agreement and says, this is a fucking blue chip project. Let's fucking go. Do you get my point? So it's very subjective. But uh, at the same time, there is this uh, secret magic sauce that some projects have, man, out of their hard work, out of their creativity, out of the, you get my point, the time in the space. So, yeah, man, the value of NFTs, utility, all this shit is it's amazing, man. It's, it's just uh, a lot of curiosity and a lot of things to learn in the space, man. I enjoy it. So, yeah, just a thought about it, man. No, I appreciate that, Caesar. I mean, I, I completely agree. Intangibles are pretty crazy. And, you know, talking about, like, something that, again, going back to the whole volume part of this earlier, like, checks is above a 1E floor um, from basically a free mint with under 5K of total volume. Like, under 5K of total volume, bro. Back during the real NFT bull market, 
you would get that in a day on a project that did that type of a move. So it's, you know, I'm telling you, whenever real volume hits this space, it doesn't take much to be able to move quality. Fuck, man. Bro, do you, do you think uh, when is the right time to mint the project in 2023, man? Do you think on some uh, minting projects are right to happen in this first quarter, second quarter? Should they delay it for quarter, three quarter or the fourth quarter? Or should we, because I was talking about this, man, and or should we people do kind of like small mintings, small releasings, maybe it's a couple of free mints, and then later on when the liquidity comes, they will uh, release the full collection. Uh, how do you see also, Kaleo, <clears throat> like minting new projects versus buying in secondary? Uh, when you are in the beer market, should you mint new projects or should you buy in secondary? When you are on a bullish market, should you maybe look more at secondary than minting new projects? Like, what are your, your thoughts on that, man? Man, if I had the perfect answer for that, I'd be a really wealthy man. Um, I think that, you know, I, I, I wish I could tell you exactly what makes a project incredibly successful for any new mint and when the best time for that would be. Um, so I, I, I've got no real clear answer on that. I think that mints do typically better whenever there is more bullish momentum in the market, but that doesn't mean that they can't do well without it. But on that same note, you know, that's why I like primarily to look at projects that have been established, have been around, have been grinding, that have been doing well, have a long period of time where, you know, I can look back at the fundamentals of a higher time frame chart and say, okay, yeah, you know, not just the fundamentals lineup, technicals do too. I like where those two things meet. And that's, you know, personally one of the ways that I decide what projects to go on. But I mean, obviously, dude, there are so many people that do well without you know, caring about either of those things. Um, so I, I think it's about just finding what works well for you. Um, I'm going to go to Shekinah, then I'm going to go to small peep, peepo. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to answer that question. I think it's a, a, a mix of things. And, and because we're, you know, on this, what, NFT, Twitter, you know, kind of small community, I think, you know, it, 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 it you got to, it has, there has to be visibility. And it just seems, you know, visibility seems to come with you know like you rallying a community but also some type of connections you know with those that we like to term as like influencers i think um some type of connection you know or linked to like alpha groups and you know just kind of those back in coordinated schemes that kind of get something pumping or you just you just all of a sudden start seeing people like you see that you see the trend on the timeline that started yesterday you know people going private and it's just like like it's so annoying like like whatever but like someone started it or a group of people started it and then people started to follow and now you see it like everywhere and it's just like you know someone changes changes their pfp you know like i don't think like the i think it's luca is the new guy that purchased um was it um the pudgy penguins like i don't know what his connections were like prior to like nfts but like i think he had a really big marketing campaign behind the scenes and probably like in the front, you know, like in the like front facing, but also behind the scenes to make sure that he'd be able to raise the level, you know, like or kind of raise, yeah, the kind of raise up the the level of the, the level of like the floor or whatever. 
um, a race of popularity to, to kind of bring it back, you know, resurrect it. Um, I mean, we'll see if Oni Force is able to do that with whatever they're trying to do. Um, who else has done this? I don't know. I just, I, I, Cause you think about like, even like the artifact clones, you know, like everybody would have thought that they would be, I don't know, like crypto punk or, or ape level because they were acquired by Nike, you know, the, the, the company artifact, but it's like, well, no, like you just, it, it it's just, it's, I don't know. I, I think it's just a lot of coordinated things happening in the background that we don't see, you know, cause that, 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 that's the same thing that kind of works with crypto, you know, crypto is also, we know this is manipulated um, and, you know, by those that have the most and, and kind of what they dictate and, and what they choose to sell and, and buy and et cetera. So, yeah, like, I think it's a lot of coordinated stuff and, 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 you know, hella marketing and, and whatever, maybe bots, et cetera. But it's, it's a lot of marketing on the back end that most people don't see is what I would say. Small people, what's up? What's up? Uh, so to continue on the last note, um, I want to start out with a passage I, I read uh, recently. If you really want the truth, you need to escape the black hole of power and allow yourself to waste a lot of time wandering here and there on the periphery. Because revolutionary knowledge rarely makes it to the center because the center is built on existing knowledge. Also, to continue um, on the question someone else had, like the question should not be, um, should I mint new or existing projects? But like Khalil said, you should look for value. You shouldn't have to sell your NFT to get value out of a project. So that's what I'd like to add. Yeah, and you know, the other thing that I'll add to at the end of the day, comparison is a thief of joy, right? <laughs> like if you're sitting there and you're constantly, you know, you've got a high conviction play and you're sitting there just watching whatever the hot project of the day is, bro, you're probably going to end up making a bad decision. Either by one, rotating into whatever that hot project is at the top, or two, you'll be so convinced that, you know, you knew that this project was going to take off, but you just didn't have, you know, what it took to pull the trigger that first time. So the next time you see something, you're like, you're going to ape into it. And then you ape into whatever that next thing is, and boom, you know, you end up getting wrecked from it. It doesn't do what you thought it did. Like that other one that you didn't touch <laughs> ended up doing. And, you know, then your project that you initially had conviction on takes off. It just, you know, like it ends up robbing you of joy of the present moment of what you're working through and kind of the, like, I, I think so much of the beauty being involved with a lot of this stuff is the journey, right? Like the destination in a sense is arbitrary. Like the destination is something that, you know, it's different for each and every person. Um, but, you know, I think it is the collective process of getting there that, you know, just creates the history and the value behind something in the first place. And the people that have the patience to stick around through that, really are the ones that understand the value of the project that are able to do things like, you know, uh, like Rooster the other day with that nine trait where he was able to scoop that up off the floor in a minute and, you know, flipped it for a three X basically in a couple of days. Like, you know, there are so many opportunities like that out there. I think that, you know, smaller, more patient plays, but, 
they're usually the safer plays. And at the end of the day, I'm telling you, a lot of the people that ended up making it big in this space aren't the ones that traded the most. They're the ones that had the highest conviction in a project that eventually became what they believed that it would. Can I give an example of that? Yeah, let's hear it. So basically, there's this project. I'm not going to mention it because I'm not a chiller. Um, but they actually like had everything planned out of their roadmap. And they started like funding through NFTs. Um, but like you said, you can flip an NFT. You, have, you can trade it. But with this project, the, the, the use case, the utility of the NFT is like liquidity provision percentage and whitelist for the ticker. And what happened with the project? Um, like they launched their NFT project, um, but they're, they're working in waves. So someone mentioned how should projects mint. Um, the project is actually taking the, the strategy of like upping the price slowly, but surely. Uh, because the NFTs like provide actual value for um, the actual protocol, the multi-chain protocol. That's interesting. I think slow mints are a really interesting concept. I think they're really difficult to execute. Pandas, I think, are the best example of that. But you know, when you're looking at the difficulty of what makes it tough, it's well, whenever you have X percent of a collection that's listed. You know, a, something basically has to be done to be able to maintain that floor to where it's not beneath the new listing price, unless you consider there to be enough of a delta between what the floor is and what the new mints are, that people are willing to go ahead and take the risk on the new mint because of the opportunity of knowing that, hey, there could be some type of rare that is above the floor at this chance because it's almost like an unrevealed collection versus a revealed collection. So it's difficult to execute. But it's one of those things that, I mean, you can see what happened with the pandas with it, where I think that throughout the process of them minting out, they really gained a strong organic community that has ended up performing well because of it later on down the road. Um, but it's, you know, not a typical metric that people look for in projects just because, I mean, it doesn't typically happen. Yeah, true, true. Um, maybe if I can mention the NFT project, um, if that would not be a problem for you, Kelio, the one I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, sure. Go for it, man. Uh, so the project is called Hexane Finance, and it's actually like a, a multi-chain hub uh, where you can do everything, anything DeFi, like all in one place, because we all probably know the struggle of DeFi like going, having to go to through multiple protocols to actually do one transaction. Um, but yeah, so um, they actually like are utilizing the, the NFT function to get the funding going. It's uh, in my bio also, I think it's, um, it's where a real value is found, like long term, you don't have to sell it to get value out of it. That's interesting. You know, you want my honest take with why you're going to see a lot more people doing NFT projects for funding or other because they go don't ahead. have to go down the VC route of, you know, a lot of these tokens that different exchanges or other um, things like that release, like an exchange token 
dude, every exchange token's worthless. I don't care what benefits they give you. They don't need a token <laughs> to be able to, they, they, they don't, right? They do not need a token to be able to do that. The only value of a token for them is the fact that, you know, hey, they're able to drive some, you know, some type of profit from it, yes. you know, do some type of raise. NFTs are way cleaner because of the fact that they are not officially considered any type of security right now. I mean, this is real alpha. Yeah, like the line's kind of blurry a little bit, but you know, I think that you're going to have a lot more people doing that type of stuff down the road just because of the ease of access on the regulatory side. I mean, they're, you know, they're just saying it's easier to raise money through, you know, cleanly through an NFT project than it is through a token. Caesar, what's up? Bro, I was just uh, because I I told you that I I bought myself a new phone, but at the same time I ate some uh, wonky songs to compensate, man. To get my point, a bit of investment, a bit of spending, and I saw your um, I I was uh, uh, on another app while you were talking, man, and I saw your PFP on the dynamic island, man, and I was wondering if you will ever consider minting your fucking profile picture, man, or you will do a raffle with the wonky stone holders and maybe mint that fucking one-on-one that is... But dude, I I get it, but why would I ever mint it, right? That's what I'm talking about as far as the utility side of things. I just don't see the need to ever mint it. Like, it's... I don't know. It's I, I would never sell it if I minted it. Um, so I like, you know, what is the point of me minting it at that? Like, I just, I don't know. I without there being a real vision behind it, I, I don't see any need to ever do it. Got it. Got it. I mean, it's just like a a piece of history. You get my point. A collectible, as you said. Like, I don't know, man. It was just a thought when I saw you on the Dynamic Island, and I know that your PFP is a fucking Legendary what is the dynamic too. island? So the new iPhone, man, you have the dynamic islands. For example, when you are on Twitter spaces, uh, let's say if I go to another app, I see your small profile picture on the dynamic island. So they want the, anyone that, that is speaking, if I go to another app, I see the profile picture of that person on the dynamic island. Do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? So that's why I thought about it. It looks cool. No man. idea. Yeah, man, the dynamic island on the new iPhone, man. Bro, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to Google it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's okay, man. It's okay. But it just looks cool, man. Um, Avatava, you have not had a chance to hear you speak yet, man. How's it going? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I think I just want to bring up I mean, yeah, a silly take that I have uh, for moving from maybe crypto Twitter over to the NFT side. I, I think a, a lot of what it was was uh, like pride and vanity. Um, like sometimes you look at some of the NFT PFPs and they're, they're kind of silly. But once you get one, it's it becomes like a source of pride in a way. And so I think sometimes people, it's just like a, once you get into it, you're in it. But it's really hard to to cross that threshold, I think sometimes maybe. Yeah, and Avatava, by the way, you're you, you sound a little bit like a robot again. Unfortunately. Oh, sorry, guys. Uh, no, it's all good, man. It's all good. No, but it's true. I mean, that, that it's all part of the, uh, I guess, the NFT culture is. It's a lot. You know, a lot of it doesn't click, 
until you end up actually getting plugged into the process. I'm curious, was anybody up here on stage, you know, skeptical? Like, what was it that red-pilled everybody up on stage on NFTs? I'm really curious. You know, what was kind of your moment where it just clicked and made sense? Honestly, for me, I would say the um, how easy it was to to to, to make money. Um like I was, I mean, you know this, like I was, you know, like the lawyer for Artifact uh, in 2021. So I got into NFTs, I would say February, 2021. And I've done a lot of research because I had to, you know, for like legal stuff. Um, and I would say like, yeah, I had them pay me in USD. I didn't ask for any NFTs because I just didn't get it. Like I didn't understand it. Um, I mean, they were paying me good money like in USD, but obviously I could have done a lot better. Um, or, or at least done half and half, you know, NFTs and US and USD or probably some ETH. Um, and then I would say in August of 2021 is when like, I, um, saw like, I, you might remember these, the, um, the, I think they were called wicked apes or they were just like kind of a, a mix between the board ape yacht club and the wicked cranium. So they were just like, um, skulls of like apes. And I was like, these are pretty cool. And they're pretty cheap. Let me try this, you know, because by that by that time, I'd gotten a meta, yeah, I'd got well, I had to download MetaMask and kind of figure that out. And I didn't ask any of the artifact guys. I was just like, I'm on Twitter, I'm listening, and I was on Clubhouse as well earlier. Let me give this a try and see what it's like. And so I'd say, I think it's Wicked Apes. I don't even I don't remember what they were called, but that was the first thing that I minted. And then within a couple months, I probably had like a twelve hundred dollar profit like I sold it at a yeah for a good profit and I remember immediately texting my family and kind of telling them that and screenshotting it I even screenshotted it you know to like you know on Instagram you know to share it in my stories because the people that follow me are all my web two friends um all previous social workers because that's usually that's what I used to do and but funny no one on Instagram asked me none of them I mean they liked it they thought it was great but no one asked me well, what is it what did you do they didn't ask me any questions my family did ask me questions and I tried my best to explain it but you know it just it, it, it's hard to explain um, and they're still not in NFTs but 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 that's what did it for me is what I would say but trust me I regret you know like not I mean I don't regret too much because I've done well but it would have been nice to have gotten some of those early artifact uh, NFTs in 2021. Oh, that's cool. That was even an option. <laughs> they could include that as part of a compensation package. I mean, you could, I mean, you can negotiate it how you want to. And I'm, I mean, I, I don't have a problem saying this either. I mean, thankfully I didn't do this on purpose, but I'm, I'm licensed as an attorney in Washington, DC. And it's, I think it's one of three, I mean, DC is for fact, but I think there are two other um, states or jurisdictions that allow um, attorneys to receive comp compensation via crypto. Um, most of them don't. I don't know if that's changed, but I did look into that because I wanted to make sure that I could do that. So I started accepting crypto. Um, I don't, I don't do that anymore, but I started accepting crypto um, in the fall of 2021. So we're on October 2021. When I took on like other clients, I gave crypto as an option that you could pay me in, in, in that. Um, but yeah, but I can say that Artifact did give me my clone for free. So th that was pretty nice. 
Oh, that is awesome. Uh, Caesar, what's up, man? Bro, I, I think that's uh, an amazing question, man. And that, uh, that's the question that I figured out in uh, April 2021. Because on April 2021, man, as you know, I was following your calls, doing a lot of crypto stuff, man. You get my point? I believe that 100% I was... I fought for crypto, man. I'm, I'm in the blockchain space since 2015. I have a blockchain company. We do digital documents. So we have many customers in Latin America working with universities. But we just bought Ethereum just to perform the transactions. You get my point? So we, we had to have some Ethereum in our wallets, not as an investment, but just because we needed to use the fucking Ethereum to process the transactions of the digital documents that we were uh, issuing. But then uh, it was later, later on that I started trading the, the tokens and Ethereum, BTC, you get my point, and, and stuff. And then, um, and then I, at the same time, you know, like I, I was doing a master's in economic history and I was watching some uh, documentary on WWDW, you get my point, like this documentary channel from Germany that they produce very good documentaries. And I was seeing the stories of some billionaires, German billionaires, that they made a lot of fucking money in real estate, man. To my point, they bought a lot of shitty buildings uh, right after the war and stuff. And they started building, man, super cheap. And they were like patient enough, man. They were first movers into the real estate business, man. And of course, man, 30 years later, they fucking made it, man. They fucking made it. To get my point, so they saw an opportunity and they went all, all in for it. And when it, when, it, when it comes to NFTs, man, I saw a lot of things coming together that is hard to happen. You get my point? So you have, for example, the cultural shift that you, that you saw, like it's a cultural flex to be an NFTs, but it's a lot of liquidity, and then you have the attention, and then you have the internet, and then you have that people are spending more time online, and then you have digital identities, uh, more screen time for everyone. So I was like, man, this is an opportunity. And with the skill sets that I have myself, which is like, man, I'm good at, at many things. Uh, I believe that this was the space for me, man. And also for innovation to happen, you need a lot of, a lot of variables, as I'm saying, right? You, you not only need money, you also need uh, some sort of like knowledge spillovers. You get my point, like a constant push, pushing each other for see who is going to get the throne and this makes everyone better. So I believe that a lot of variables to make something happen are, are happening in NFTs, man. So I, I, I got dragged into this industry of NFTs because as the first mover, first mover advantage, man, I wanted to seize the opportunity. So I've been building here, man, for a long time. And that's why I'm bullish, man, because I think the, the magic sauce is like the same thing with Solana, right? Why I think Solana is super good at NFTs? Because they managed to put... In one blockchain, all the recipe for NFTs, like the community, the hype, the nice UX, uh, the nice kind of like vibe, you have a point to be cool, all this stuff. So the same thing happened with NFTs, man. It's a lot of shit that happened, the liquidity, everything. So I was like, man, let's fucking seize this opportunity. Let's learn it. Let's really try to understand it. And I've been fucking learning every fucking day, man. And every fucking day I learned something new. It's like so unexplored, man. Everyone is so diverse, building different stuff, man, having different utilities, different views about what NFTs are and everything. So it's just a fascinating space, man. And besides that, it's not only the money, man. It's a lot of money, liquidity in the NFTs, right? 
But I met many people in real life, man, and also online. And I talked to them and I, I realized how many smart people came here, right? So when you have like smart people and money coming together, man, and in a diverse space, man, only innovation can happen. You get my point? So we are destined for success, man, if, if we keep like being a magnet for these bright minds from Web2, from even from other industries that we never thought. Like I, I, I'm seeing on my timeline, I'm seeing like, okay, I'm a PhD in doctor, I'm a paramedic. I'm a fucking skydiver. I'm a surfer. I'm a fucking uh, historian. I'm a, you get my point? I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an artist. So all of this diversity, man, makes this space extremely exciting, man. And innovation happens when you put all these variables into this magical soup, man. So that's why I'm bullish on. And also, again, because of the first mover advantage, man. So I'm happy to build in here, be building here and being long term, man. You love to hear it. Um, love to hear it, man. I mean, it's, it, it is cool how everybody has a little bit of a different perspective, a little bit of uniqueness in their approach. Small people, I know you were raising your hand a little bit ago. What's going on? Um, yeah. Um, so what Caesar said, I personally never bought NFTs, but I worked in two projects and that is the thing that red pilled me. Like, how easy it is to build a community, like to to connect and just try to innovate. That's what I wanted to add. Got it. The thing is like, man, I did my master's in economic history. I did economics in university. You get my point? I come from this, like, um, let's say formal educational that teaches us how innovation happened, right? How many variables have to come together and I saw them on NFTs, man. I saw the fucking opportunity also in blockchain. So that's why I'm bullish. And it's more like a fundamental macro type of thing. And then from the macro, I went into the micro. I went to the communities, realized the art stuff. But for me, I saw kind of like the big picture, man. Big picture with big fundamentals. Yeah, you know, I, I'm telling you, it was similar for me where I, I feel like... You know, and this may sound a little bit crazy, but I th I thought I knew really about the NFT space whenever I launched the stocks, but I've grown so much, matured so much since then that I realized it really wasn't until I started buying until I really understood, you know, buying stuff outside of my own project where, because I had bought a crap ton of stocks off the floor, but you know, you have to really get exposed to other community and kind of grow your reach a little bit outside of whatever your comfort zone is, I think, to really gain a full appreciation for the space and what it has to offer. Um, Caesar, what's up? Yeah, bro, 100% agree with you. The thing is, like, NFTs are a fucking lifestyle, man. So it's the same, like, uh, when Argentina won the World Cup, right? And, you know, the Argentinian players, they fucking... They were not the best team, man, but they fucking have this desire to win, man, this desire for the game, these fucking fans going crazy. You get my point? Like, it was like so many Argentinians in fucking uh, Qatar and everyone in Argentina is fucking poor. So how the fuck these motherfuckers made it? You get my point? It's like all this hype about Argentina. It's like people don't understand, man, because people don't live it. People are not Argentinians. They were not born with that culture. You get my point? So NFTs are the same thing, man. NFTs are a lifestyle. You choose to have this lifestyle 
So until don't, you don't open the door to have this lifestyle, you won't understand what's the value of NFTs, man. So until you don't buy your NFT, until you don't fucking uh, make a flip, until you don't fucking join a Twitter spaces, until you don't fucking make a new friend because this motherfucker also have the same PFP, until you don't fucking uh, can be here fucking talking with Kaleo, man. One on one, you get my point with us, man. You get my point? You don't understand how fucking special this is, man. So NFTs are a lifestyle, man. And I'm very bullish. Yo, I love that energy. And with that energy, I'm going to go ahead and close out the space. I've got a couple other things I've got to knock out this afternoon. But appreciate everybody that was able to come up here. Another day, another space. We're going to keep these rolling um, every day until stonks hit a new all-time high. It is going to happen, um, and we're going to manifest it. So really appreciate everybody's 35 ETH is all it takes to get us there. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. Not much. Not much at all. Um, So, yeah, with that, y'all, I will see y'all later. Enjoy the rest of your Thursdays. And, yeah, wonky stonks are inevitable. See y'all later.